Good morning. Or should I say, halo. Um, that was really awesome, and it's just been a really cute morning, and I'm about ready just to destroy all of that. Um, you know, no one's good at waiting. Kids are the worst, and I was the worst kid. Not so much that I was naggy. I had this thing that I'm going to refer to as uh, anticipation pukes, okay? I would literally throw up due to excitement about what was going to happen. I know. I'm getting real with you. You're now looking at me differently, and we're just going to have to get through this together. Um, I would get so worked up that my little body could not handle it. Um, We're going to grandma's. Sick. Um, You're getting a puppy. Sick. We're going to Disney World. Sick. You're getting married. Sick. Um, For me, it was never the the thing itself. Uh, Like, it arriving, it was the anticipation that worked me up. It was the waiting that worked me up. And the worst was Christmas time. I would work myself up with visions of Christmas morning. Am I, was I good enough? Was I, did I get the Legos? It was awful, absolutely awful. Um, and uh, it would just nag at me. Um, and then um, I would uh, wake my parents up at the reasonable hour of 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, every 20 minutes, make sure that 6 o'clock hadn't accidentally come. You know, they were like, 6 and I just made sure make it, that I didn't miss it. Um, and then I would wake my brother and my sister up. My sister would be really angry. And uh, then we would walk down the stairs and see the object of our anticipation, our waiting, had been fulfilled. Santa had come. What are you waiting for this Christmas season? What are the objects of your anticipation? Maybe it's uh, the end of the semester, right? Um, maybe it's uh, a break from work. You get a few days off. Maybe it's time with family or uh, that Christmas morning excitement of getting and receiving, of receiving and giving gifts. Or maybe you're just anticipating getting through it, right? Let's get to the end of it. All of those are understandable, and I am not here to rail against cultural Christmas. That's not what I'm here for. I don't, that's not me. But what I do want to do is encourage you to embrace and own the Advent season as we prepare for Christmas. Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. It's a preparation time for us as we remember not only that God has come to us in Jesus Christ, but also that he will come again. It's something that's uniquely ours as Christians. And I think it helps us focus on, right, the real reason for the season. In Advent, we acknowledge and intentionally live in the tension of the already and not yet arrival of our God. We cling to the promise that he will come again and hope towards that promise by remembering that he has come many times before to his people. The text that the Harris family read for us earlier is a perfect Advent passage. It comes from Isaiah 40, 9 through 11. And as I meditated over this text this week, I was reminded of the ways that God has come, continues to come, and will come to his people. 
I can think of four specific promised advents um, that we think about and celebrate during this time. And they're going to be up on the screen. The first comes from the context of the verse itself. As God comes again to Israel. We can think about all the times that God has been faithful to his people by looking in the Old Testament. Specifically, today we look at Isaiah 40 as God came to his people. The second advent was when God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to us. And that's the advent we think about on Christmas, right? And Easter. Um, And then the third is the advent of the Holy Spirit into our lives, right? That is the current advent we're living in. God, God entering the lives of people. And then lastly is the hope of the advent that is to come. The second coming of Christ. Let's... As we ponder on who God is, who God was, and who God will be to us, my prayer is that we'll find hope in the waiting and reasons to do so intentionally. Let's read that verse again. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. And he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him. And his recompense accompanies him. He tends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The context of this verse is that the Israelites are in exile and under the uh, oppression Of Babylonian control. God makes it very clear throughout Isaiah. This is their fault. He has handed them over. They have uh, chose to go their own way. In their own arrogance and sin. And the one who had protected them. And been so faithful to them. They denied. And so he said okay. Here's what that leads you to. And in the beginning of Isaiah 40. We hear in 41. It says the prophet brings good news of comfort. Comfort. From the beginning, this is a, an Advent verse. God is coming to them. God is coming to you. It says, the verse says, here is your God. Go tell everyone that he's come. He's won the battle for us. And he's coming to set us free. And so in that message, Isaiah asks, not asks, demands that the people repent and turn back to the Lord. Because God was on the way. Now, they are eventually released from their captivity. And through a uh, crazy prophecy out of Isaiah 44 that came true, God uses the Persians and Cyrus the Great uh, to bring them out of that captivity. And eventually, uh, through a bunch of different history things that I don't have time for, they become an established people of God. And the Old, and the Old Testament is full of times where God has proven his faithfulness to his people, uh, no matter how far they've strayed. But on this side of history... We have a much fuller understanding of this scripture and how God intended to come to us. When we read this verse, we know that it was not God's final move just to make the nation of Israel a people again. We know that he was going to come and did come in the person of Jesus. Not as a national war hero, but as a baby who was to be our savior. But for 400 years... The nation of Israel Israel waited between the last book of the Old Testament and the first book of the New Testament. There's like 400 years there. 
all of a sudden you have pretty consistent messages from the Lord, and then nothing. Nothing. Just nothing. And they're sitting there waiting in that sort of anticipation moment, and all of a sudden God sends Jesus as a baby. And for 30 years after that, most people have no idea what they're dealing with. And even during his ministry, no one knows really who they're dealing with. No one knows that God is fulfilling his promise through Jesus. But then in Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist steps onto the scene in camel hair, chugging honey, eating locusts, and being kind of crazy but kind of awesome. Um, and he, uh, he prepares the way for the advent of Christ. In fact, Luke references Isaiah 40 when describing John's ministry. It says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. John the Baptist announces the advent of Jesus. And much like the prophet Isaiah, he calls people to repent and turn again to the Lord. And when Jesus came and defeated sin and death, the recompense and reward he brought with him, just to name a few, forgiveness of sins, communion with God, eternal life. And this he freely gives to his people. During the season of Advent, we are reminded that the Savior of the world has come. And no, he didn't come how everyone expected him to. But he came with power and as a kind shepherd. So as we wait, this is our hope. He has come before and he will come again. And when Jesus left, he didn't leave us without work to do or without a guide to do that. The third Advent is the current advent we're living in. It's God invading our lives and calling his people to himself through the work of his Holy Spirit. Our waiting is not without activity. We are to be conduits of Christ's love and fellow builders of his kingdom here on earth. Because we as the church, we're in a similar situation as Israel at the, old, at the end of the Old Testament. In exile. Waiting and hoping in prayer and prayerful expectation for the coming of the Messiah. Israel looked back to God's past gracious actions on their behalf in leading them out of, of Egypt in the Exodus. And on this basis they called for God once again. They needed him to act for them. And in the same way, the church during the Advent season looks back upon Christ's coming in celebration. But while at the same time, we look forward in eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns. So what do we do in this time of waiting? I say we own the Advent message for ourselves. We begin to live the Advent out in our lives. And so in all four of these instances, all four of these advents, three themes emerge from me. And I think you could take your own themes, but here are mine. And they are repentance, recognition, and restoration. Repentance is the turning from sin and returning to God. 
I thought it was interesting. The Greek word for this actually means to change. To change. Repentance simply means to change, to turn around and walk in a new direction. In, in short, reverse direction. However, because Christmas time is a time of tradition and we get, you know, we're all about the celebration and I think that's awesome. Uh, it can be difficult for us to understand Advent as a time of repentance, as a time to prepare to make changes. But what if Christmas, but if Christmas is really about an encounter with the Holy One, then Christmas must also be about change. Changes in our values, changes in our priorities, changes in our attitudes, changes in the way we treat each other. So what changes are we supposed to make to prepare ourselves? It's a fair question. But I'll answer it with another question. What are we currently doing in our lives that keeps us from being sensitive to God's presence in our life and the lives of the people around us? Let me put it another way. What are we doing that keeps us at arm's length from God? For some of us, it may be working too hard. For some of us, it may be our own ambitions. And we get caught up in that and forget what God has for us. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's greed. For others, it's our attitude. It's our negative outlook. We tend to not have hope. We need to rethink what it means to be God's people. For some of us, maybe it's inner hostility or resentment or unforgiveness. For some of us, maybe it's just too much religion. In the form of false piety and arrogant self-righteousness. Maybe those are the things that you keep God at a distance with. God, I'm doing this. Just stay over there. The specifics of what God calls each of us to is different, I think. I think it is. But they have something in common. We are called to drop the barriers that we put up in our life which prevent us from being open and sensitive to the Spirit of God. So to paraphrase John's message, reverse your direction. The kingdom of God has arrived. Change. Turn and return to God. The Advent message also involves recognition of who God is. In Isaiah 40, 9-11, our verse today, the speaker tells us, Here is your God. And you know what he's like? He's a strong and sovereign God. He is a mighty warrior. He is a powerful God who wins our battles. And he gives the bounty to his people. But he's also a shepherd who bends down, picks up his sheep, and keeps them close to his chest. He's a loving Lord, and he's a sovereign shepherd. When John the Baptist is calling people to the coming of Christ, he sees Jesus and he exclaims, Look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He recognizes him. He draws other people to recognize who Jesus is. When Jesus reveals himself to Thomas the doubter in, uh, in, after the resurrection, Thomas's response is, my Lord and my God. Revelation says that when Christ returns, every eye will see and every tongue confess that he is Lord. These statements are outward expressions of inward realities. Not just pointing at God from afar, but a heart change. That is my Lord. 
That is God. When we recognize who God is, we set our hope, we set our eyes in the right direction. And if we are to be in active waiting, we need to constantly recognize who it is we wait for. It's not a certain president or form of government. It's not a job. It's not a vacation. It's not an amount of money. Those are not the things we hope in. Those are things that remind us that we're hoping for something. But those are very uh, weak things to hope in. God is the object of our waiting. All of our if-onlys, if only this, if only this happened, if only that happened, all of our if-onlys are satisfied in his coming. We need to recognize who God is. He is the sovereign Lord who comes to us as a shepherd, leading us back to safety. He loves us and is powerful enough to do something about it. So what are ways we can recognize God during this season? Well, we can... We can pray. Prayer is an acknowledgement that God is in control. In the midst of the anxiety, the sadness, and the confusion that life brings, and that can often be a part of this time of uh, this season, we can hit our knees and admit that God is sovereign. And He's a God who comes into our life. He's a God who always comes to His people. We can invite Him into those parts, those scary parts. And we can acknowledge that He's God. And we're not. Another thing you can do is uh, you can fast. I was uh, really interested to notice that historically this time, Advent season, has been a season of fasting um, for the church. And that, I've never done that. I think I eat more during this period of time. But we could fast or you could... um, or you could give up something, right? Whenever I have fasted, I don't know if you've ever fasted or what your experience with fasting has been. But whenever I have fasted, um, it is, I've always started it to get God's attention about something. And then God uses that moment to be like, now that I have your attention, I have some things I want to deal with with you. And I'm like, but what about all this stuff? And he's like, you know what? This is actually more important. And it's a time, fasting is a time where we open up our lives and give the space for us to really give God the recognition in our lives. So is there something you can remove in your life even for one day and fill the void with seeking God out for who he is? Removing something reminds us that we often neglect our basic need. And that's a need for God. More than the air I breathe, more than the water I drink, more than the food I need to eat, more than relationships with family, all of which are important, God is my sustainer. God is my life. And I have to recognize that. Sometimes that involves picking something out of our schedule and uh, making that time intentionally towards him. Maybe you can take a moment of fasting to recognize that this season. And there are also many ways we can recognize. I think most of the spiritual uh, disciplines are ways of recognizing God, of ways of, of setting our eyes towards him. Lastly, Advent is the promise of restoration. For the Israelites, the hope was in the restoration of their nation. When Jesus came, he offered restoration to the relationship between God and man. 
By dying on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, he restored life to his people by killing death, and he ushered in the beginning of the, of the kingdom of God here on earth. And today, through the third advent, God is at work restoring individuals and giving them love and hope and peace through his Holy Spirit. He's at work in repairing the damage that sin does. And he's bringing people to the knowledge of the love of God. And lastly, in Advent we remember that we're waiting for something. We are waiting. Remember that when Christ comes again, the last Advent, all things shall be restored. The earth shall be as it was intended to be. And we shall see our God. We read these words, hear these words from Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first time, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among people. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. God has come. And we will all say that together, and all people will say, God has come, here is your God, world. And it's not here yet. And life's still hard, and we still live in a reality. We just heard this morning that one of our own had passed away. We still live in that harsh reality of, of death and sin. And that's that's real. But we can actively wait and hope that God has come and God will come again. He will be a God who will pick us up and hold us close. And he's powerful enough to save us and to protect us. This Christmas season, may you be encouraged and may you celebrate the advent of the past. And may you embrace the advent which is present in the Holy Spirit. And may you hope in the advent that is to come. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you are a God who comes to us. And that you've, there are so many advents, God. So many times that you come to your people. And we can hope in that, God. And we pray that we will be a people who actively wait. God, that in this Advent season we will repent of those things that get in the way of our hope and our interacting with you. God, we will recognize who you are and what you've done and who we are because of you. And God, that we will hope and the restoration, the restoration that you will bring. God, we thank you that your promise is good. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.